Hey everyone, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain it to you. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'll be listening. Welcome to Visibility Unlimited. I'm Leslie Short, your host and owner of the Cavo Group. We work with companies and organizations to expand beyond their current culture. Visibility Unlimited discusses topics focusing on diversity, inclusion, leadership, culture, and current events. Look out for my book, Expand Beyond Your Current Culture, out January 2021. Enjoy this episode and remember to subscribe to stay updated on future podcasts. Hi, I'm Leslie Short of the Cavo Group and host of Visibility Unlimited, the podcast, and Visibility Spotlight Unlimited, the video portion of the podcast. As always, I have an amazing guest with me and a good friend that I've known for some time. Let's just say it that way. I'm welcoming Michelle Smith. Michelle, please share with everyone what you are doing. Hi, uh, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited about this, not just because we're friends and go a long way back, but it's an opportunity to, to speak about my mission and sometimes I deliver these messages in peace parts, but you're giving me the opportunity to give it in one whole chomp. So <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. You know, I, I will tell everyone our focus is going to be women in the C-suite and having a coach, but not just any coach and under, you know, a coach who's been there and understands the ins and outs of what's needed. So Michelle, why why did you switch from corporate PR and marketing and branding to really having this passion, as you said, to really work with women to prepare them for the C-suite? Right. So, uh, you know, to tell my story, you have to go back a bit. And it's about a dream that I had some time ago that I had coming out of grad school. Ultimately, there are about six things that I wrote on the list when I was about 22 years old that I said that I wanted to do. I am a writer at heart. That's what I do at the core of everything is my writing. Yes. And coming out of college as an English major, writing emphasis with a ton of journalism experience and also classes under my belt, the question became, how do I make money? Um, and when I looked at this, this list of things that I wanted to do, I did not have at that point, the contacts, the credentials, the credibility, all the things you needed to actually make these things happen. And I detail this in my book, No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say, I'll Just Include Myself. But the, the, the part that I draw people's attention to is the fact that I allowed myself to dream. And while over the course of the next 40 years, it would, it would add up to be. Mm -hmm. um, I did forget. And sometimes we do forget our dreams. Right. But because I wrote it down, I could not forget it. It was going to come up again. 
came back. <laughs> right. It did. I always said that I wanted to write books, lecture. Yes, lecture at it. Yeah, lecture at it. I'm just going to keep saying accomplished. You can keep right. talking about that. I barreled through this list. Um, I wanted to consult. I wanted to have my own consulting business. Accomplished. I wanted to have my little family. Accomplished. Um, I wanted to be a, a talking head or a subject matter expert on television. That's happening right now, too. That was the same. But all of these things were on this list. And there's this key moment in time that happened to me when I was working at the big company. And it's no secret, it was AT&T. And to this day, I love AT&T. I do a lot of business with AT&T. But I was sitting in the office of a very high-ranking officer after receiving a layoff notice. And they called it a surplus. And it's a really humane way of saying we're eliminating the position, not the person. So if you want to stay, you have 60 days to find something within this big corporation or take your lump sum and be on your way. Well, I had accomplished six things on the list or four things on the list already. Mm -hmm. And I, the point that I actually thought about this was in that very moment, sitting in the room with the officer because the officer asked me, do you want to stay? And he noticed that I hesitated. Now, the reason why I hesitated wasn't just about this list. I hesitated because there were some other things that I had in the fire, irons in the fire. I had other opportunities at other organizations. I had the seedling of a business that I had started this the same one, but it didn't include coaching at the time. It was mentoring and the podcast. The culture podcast. <laughs> yes. And so it had just kind of jumped off. And I knew from being an entrepreneur before that if I wanted to go all in, I could go all in. It wasn't it wasn't a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I had options and I had choices, but I also had a choice to stay because that offer was, officer was saying to me, if you want to stay, there are about seven officers here that want to keep just let us know and so that's when i let my dreams take over and i said you know what i think i'm going to he said you're going to leave aren't you i said yeah i think i'm going to leave i had done 25 years in pr strategic communication Mm -hmm. and that's something that i knew that i could always do that's what i turned to in graduate school to make the money that i said i wanted to make you took a chance on you yes 25 years later, I had the credentials, I had the credibility, I had all those C's that we were talking about Mm -hmm. to actually do what I wanted to do. So ultimately, that mentoring platform that I had morphed into executive coaching because I went and got training to become that. And reflecting on what I saw in the Fortune 500, when it came to women and also women of color, Mm -hmm. how that middle of the the leadership pipeline was just gushing right. women, spewing us out. And black women were leading the way, followed by Latinx and, and Asian and white women too. The, and, the ceiling was, wasn't even there because right. it, you couldn't see the ceiling. Right. It was so high you can't see it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you get satiated. A mm-hmm. lot of women, and, and research supports this, Mm-hmm. A lot of women had C-suite dreams at some point. Right. And because they, you know, life took over and, you know, they're in the grind and they're doing well. They're bringing home a great check. Mm-hmm. They're able to buy the Fendi bag if they want it, get the red bottom shoes, go to Dubai with your girls on a girl's trip. 
After a while, <laughs> we begin to say life is good, but right. we forgot. And that's actually part of the plan when you think about how the power center is built and it's built to center white males. There really isn't a desire the way it's currently built mm -hmm. for others to be in the center. And women and women of color are in that other. Um, there's a disadvantaged, then there's a doubly disadvantaged. Right. And black women fit that bill. And we more than everyone are leaving corporate at a faster rate, at a higher clip. Research mm -hmm. shows that despite the fact that we are the most educated segment of all segments out there with the most advanced degrees. And despite the fact that as Catalyst said, we are as, um, um, we, we, are, we, we want to be leaders. We're, we're right. as aspirational as- We walk in to be leaders. We don't walk in to sit at a desk. Right. We don't walk in just to be invited at the table. We want to make decisions at the exactly. table. Exactly. But so it became a question of mine to understand why is it happening in the middle of the pipeline? Right. And why are people jumping? Now, the census comes back with data around mm -hmm. that same time in 2017 that actually answers the question as to why black women were leaving voluntarily. Mainly, there are some folks that are pushed out. Let's let's not deny that. But leaving voluntarily to start their own businesses, to be their own bosses, because mm -hmm. they're opting out of the BS in corporate. Right. Or the fact that someone's ceiling, someone else has decided you're ceiling. Yes. And, and so I just had a conversation on a very different topic, but it all came back to women are being entrepreneurs because they, they know their worth and they know their power and they yes. know for where they can go without someone telling them you need a extra degree on top of your other four degrees in order for you to be considered to be part of the C-suite. Well, and you know what? I think you're highlighting part of the trap. Um, this is why. And people ask, like, why do Black women have so many degrees? And it's true. We got the whole alphabet behind our names. <laughs> and the reason is, 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 is two or threefold. Mm -hmm. The first reason is generationally, culturally, we've been taught it's the old black tax. You need to be two, three, four times, 10 times better just to get in the room. That's so it. So that's, the, that's the first reason. Yeah. Right. That's the first reason. The second reason is surrounding the idea about what we're told once we get in corporate America. We get told, hey, you want to get promoted? Why don't you go back and get your MBA? Right. You want to you want to be in the legal field? Go on and get your JD. I know you're the admin right now, right? but go get your date, JD, come back and let's see what happens. And it's exactly that. Let's see. And then let's see, and let's see what you look like. Yes. Therefore, and, and I want to go too left, but it's what's your appearance? Do you yes. fit in to the image for which we think black women should look like exactly. beyond their education? Well, it fitting into that corporate culture, mm -hmm. that's what you're nailing right there with the outside. But then there's also the privilege of language. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because people of color and indigenous people come from communal environments that we value community right. over commerce. And we're 
we're right there in the middle of commerce and capitalism, which comes into direct conflict with community. So we're there trying to help our brethren and sistering right. and the corporate environment is saying, no, dog eat dog, every man for himself. It's, it's whipping, it's whipping around and yeah. you're trying to fix something. Yes. That you don't have the power to fix. Right. Number one within a system or a, a systemic system that is bigger than or beyond what you can handle. But you're so busy fighting that, that you've lost sight of really how to maneuver, how to have that mentor, what you need to understand that system, or you just say, you know what? I don't need to spin like this. Well, and here's the thing. Some mentors are so bought in to the corporate culture. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned language. I'll give you an example. I was just writing my weekly newsletter that goes out and I've trying to kind of change the format to where it's kind of musings. And one of the sections says what I'm thinking about. So the thing that I'm thinking about right now is the privilege and politics of language. Well, can I stop you right there quick? Because I have a workshop about power and privilege. And I say there is privilege, but there are privileges. Yes. And we don't speak about the privileges that come with privilege. Go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> You're totally right. Um, so the the language that we use, and I, I gave the example of today, and this is what triggered it. CNN's on. One of the anchors has just gotten a report from the field from one of the reporters. And you know, in those situations, the anchors aren't reading, they're bantering. Okay. So this reporter described one of the highest crimes. Okay, it was a high crime. Right. And her response was, that's an interesting approach. And I turned and looked at the TV and I said, no, that's a high crime. (laughs) She didn't call it that. And it reminded me of how in corporate, if you're in certain spaces, if someone does something pretty egregious, it's typically described outwardly. broadly in very benign terms. Mm -hmm. And if you are a marginalized person and this egregious action happened to you, what recourse does it give you? It gets dumbed down every time it's discussed. Mm -hmm. And the people who usually dumb it down are the people who are centered. But you have to understand that many of us are bought into the power system. So we use the language too. So where does that leave that other person? Now, getting back to the report on CNN, the person who did the high crime was very, very high stature, okay? Oh, so that changes everything. It was a white male, okay? Mm-hmm. The reporter, the, the anchor that commented on it was a white woman. And it occurred to me that even in her reporting and her anchoring, and this banter that was surely a, a personal comment that she right. made, she didn't feel impacted enough for it to really sink in and use language to describe exactly oh, it is coming from this particular network who mm-hmm. was probably the first to call the big lie the big lie, right. right? Monumental, monumental moment. But then I'm like, so do we stop at the big lie? Do, or do, are we gonna call a spade a spade? That's media, but let's talk about corporate. That goes on all the time. Mm -hmm. And talk about a frustrated woman who has um, experienced some type of sexism 
-hmm. and is ready and maybe thinking about going to the EEOC about it. Right. But nobody is using the language, even if they saw it themselves, mm -hmm. that would actually give that action the heft that it really deserves. And, and all the isms, I always mm -hmm. say when it, when it comes to, to women, the sexism, yeah, the racism, the, you the, the way in all the isms, right. dumbed down yes. when needed. Yes. And yes. so it shifts mm -hmm. your narrative of all the truths or whatever has happened to the point where, like you said, at some point you go, why am I here? Right. Well, you know, one of my friends, his name is John Graham Jr. And he has written a book called The Plantation Theory. If you haven't checked it out, you should. And it touches on the idea of the language of the power center and how there's a disconnect between those who are othered and actually knowing how to use that language. And I posted a clip of him in a recent interview where he's talking about how the people who understand the language of the power center are usually the ones who are elevated. So the core of the language of the power center is risk management. Right. Now, so then how do you help the women? Sorry, so I have to go back to this and because we know what so many of the issues are, right? Mm -hmm. But yet we still have the desire. So I'm sure the desire to have that C-suite title. Yes. And, I, I, and sometimes I, that I'm going to look at it. They have the want that title. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do you want that title because you wanted to propel you somewhere else? And like you said, to have the girth to be able to go somewhere else to do something? Or is it the fantasy of you having made it in your career until you hit that corner office in that C-suite title? Well, you know, it's so important to understand your why, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really important to understand it when you rediscover the idea that this is something that you believe you were called to do or that it was a dream of yours that you just deferred for some reason. Right. You, 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 you have to begin to chip away at those blocks that are there. Mm -hmm. If the reason, the why, the North Star is aligned in some very uh, real reasons, okay? So mm -hmm. the North Star that we talk about is buried in your purpose. And that has a lot to do with your story. You notice how when we were asking me, how did you get here? Mm -hmm. I told a story. Yes. And that story has some themes in it that actually reoccur over and over my life. I like to say that there are keys to your future and your past. Yeah. Sometimes we haven't unlocked those things. If you can uncover your why mm -hmm. and you can relate to your why as it um, aligns with your values, that's when you're able to say, yes, I'm supposed to be in this C-suite. Mm -hmm. And then we have to map a plan that has Everything to do with mitigating all of the challenges and obstacles that you will come into contact with. There's no doubt that you will. Right. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And you need to understand that it's, it's high stakes and it's going to make you feel some kind of way. But applied positive psychology, which is what my coaching is based on mm -hmm. and neuroscience, but applied positive psychology says that happy people are successful people. And you've got to be able to find your happy despite what comes at you. And be able to say, no one gets to tell me I belong somewhere. I'm a big one on this, this whole diverse inclusion belonging things. I need everyone to stop this belonging thing. You know, my, my analogy is a book belongs in a bookstore or in a library. No one gets to tell me as a human being 
that I belong somewhere. I decide where I belong. Yes. But you know what, Leslie, that's because you know your value. And so many of us do not know our values. We wait for people to assign the value. And that's problematic because most times people get it wrong. And (laughs) then you're wafting in the wind. Yeah, you're wafting in the wind because Mm -hmm. you are somewhere doing something that someone told you that you probably should do. And you're either not happy. You're making a lot of money, but it's not sustainable. You're not making a lot of money. I mean, you could list a whole bunch of um, things that would make it a challenge to be in someone else's reality. And that's typically what you're doing, living someone else's plan for you. So what are you trying to get out of that? is to understand what your value really is. And that's intrinsic as well as extrinsic. So it's it's your why and who are, it's your why are you doing this? And I always say, what's in your bag? Understanding who you are, where you come from, what you want, where are you going? Not where someone else tells you, again, you should be. Where Mm -hmm. do you see yourself? You know, know, as simple as when I was making a move and I was fighting between two places. Someone said, I'm going to tell you exactly what you would say to me, Leslie. Where do you see yourself? Right. And that was the end of the process. That's mindfulness. That's mindfulness. That allows you to reflect, take that time and visualize what you really want for your life. And that's a great segue to my next point. My clients have Mm -hmm. a holistic view of where they're going in life. Mm, And being in the C-suite is a part of that. It's a broader view because it's all about- One more time. One more time. C-suite is what? Hard. It's it's hard. It's very hard. So you have to have a life that (laughs) aligns with your values to even say that it's worth it. Okay? Mm -hmm. So look, it's about what kind of extraordinary life you want to live And it's also about the generational wealth that you want to provide for the people that love you, that are closest to you. What does that look like? I had a client that was aiming to become a chief operating officer in in the medical industry. Mm -hmm. And she at the time was a senior vice president. But when we dug underneath what it was she really wanted, and that's the key question to start with, what do you really want? She started to visualize a life near the beach, preferably on the East Coast, you know, right. close to the schools that her kids wanted to go to college. At. How about that? <laughs> right. She wanted to be near her extended family. Mm-hmm. And in this particular state, her husband had a family too. And I said, you know what? That's the focus. Focused mm-hmm. on that. And she was kind of zoned in on getting that C-suite appointment in her current role. Mm-hmm. And that's where I challenge women and even the men that I coach, that you got to lean out in order to lean in. And that means that you got to know what's out there. And you need to, that's, that's really where we draw our value. It, mm-hmm. Our value comes from inside intrinsically, but it also comes extrinsically from the people and places and things that value us. And that's typically outside of that company. Right. And you, so, have, to, and you have to do your research. You have to invest in you. Mm-hmm. What else is out there that I may be interested in? Or what's a company that I love what they're doing? Yes. That may match what I have. And I can take these transferable skills and be in the C-suite there. Absolutely. Because they see my worth. 
Absolutely. But you know what? The villain in the book is fear. Mm -hmm. The villain yes. in my book is definitely fear. Mm -hmm. That's my story. But I find that with women, there are an array of fears that stand in our way when it comes to actually going for our dreams. Um, one of those fears is the unknown or what other people will think. So that typically causes us not to look at positions outside of our immediate bubble. Mm -hmm. It causes us not to consider moves, you know, going to a different geography. Right. It causes us not to look at other companies that may be outside of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, and you never know what's out there. I had a, a client who wanted to move on to a better position. And she was looking inside of her current company, which was fine. Right. But as we started to lean out and upskill, lean out and build the community, lean yeah. out and diversify the income, lean out and build your brand outside mm -hmm. of the company and inside the company. In short order, this woman had four big name companies coming for her, including her own. And at the end of the day, another one who wanted to move out mm -hmm. of where she was, she moved from Seattle, Seattle to North Carolina, working for a major brand in LA. She was able to negotiate 4X her salary and get everything she wanted. But it's, it's kids playing you in the front and backyard. Right. <laughs> and you know what? You have to, you have to know that there's more out there than what's in front of you. What do I always say? Expand beyond your current culture. Yes. And that absolutely. means really understanding that there is so much more out there. Yes. You know, people look to me and go, How did you live outside of America for 13 and a half years? I was like very comfortably. Yeah. yeah. And for our, for our black and brown women, I always go, I had my hair weaved by a German woman and an African woman <laughs> in Japan. Like, uh -huh. like you can expand what you need. You can take care of yourself and your soul and your spirit. If you are saying, I am here because I have a purpose and a reason here. Yes. It's but not the end. It's only I'm a part of your journey. Right. I'm a student of culture. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is <clears throat> people like you, Leslie, there's something in your story along with the people who raised you or did not raise you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that made you who you are, mm -hmm. that gave you the grit to say, I'm going to Europe and be a ballerina. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yes. I happen mm -hmm. to be black and I'll be the only one. <laughs> they didn't stop you. No. But what I'm finding is many mm -hmm. of us, and when I'm talking about us, I'm talking about black and brown women. Yes. Because we are so communal, we, we focus on community and familia or family is mm -hmm. really core to what we do. Keeping those ties is very, very important. And now thanks to the democratization of the internet, you could totally stay in contact with people, but Absolutely. our culture teaches us to stay close. Right. And don't rock the boat in that way. Also, generationally, most of us had parents who had a very linear existence, but it also was an experience of trying to get access at the 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 very conflict mm -hmm. of discrimination. So yeah. there was fear in their lives, too. Mm -hmm. And they understood you get the good job. You stay in that good job. Put your head down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. your work. That's not what we do. You mm -hmm. keep your head down. If you're doing great work, right. someone will tap you on the shoulder 
-hmm. And if you're lucky, you're going to retire in 25 billion years with your pension, right? With your watch, if you're really smart and you save, 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 not invest, save, 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 you can go get that vacation home in Florida and then, you know, retire with your grandkids and the dog and Mm -hmm. your pension. And, and that's I think where life ends. Yeah. And, and I think companies need to understand that. Yeah. As Gen X and even mm-hmm. the cuspers who are just a little bit older, almost boomers, but cuspers. And th- these are the people right. I talk to. We are so determined to live our parents' lives. You say they're so determined to live the parents' yes. lives? Yes. Despite what has changed. We right. are living in an era of choice. Mm-hmm. And we have a little bit more access. And we have this weapon of mass innovation called the internet. Right. That has changed a lot. I'm not saying that there's not things in this world that need to change in society that need to change when it comes Mm -hmm. to discrimination and racism and microaggressions. No, that's still there. But it is not like what our parents experienced. We have the power to speak about it. We have the power to shift it. We have a power to report it. And we have a power to figure out a system that can work for us if we can sometimes get out of the way of being quiet or head down. Yeah. You know, there is a theme. There's a theme in my book that I pulled from a woman named Trudy Bourgeois. Mm-hmm. who is an executive coach also. She, I consider her to be one of my mentor coaches. And in the book, you'll see that she's part of my origin story. Right. She talks about creating your own equality. Mm-hmm. And that idea yes. comes from the understanding that if you can build enough confidence mm-hmm. and in yourself, knowing your value, knowing your story, you can create opportunities that allow you to be equal despite what's going on in the world. And that's really what inspired the title of my book. No, thanks. I'll include myself. (laughs) Yeah. And that means that that no matter where you go, no matter what people are doing, because you're centered in who you are and you know who you are and you can center yourself. Right. That's it. Yeah. Fire. So with that, what's the, what does corporate leaders need to know? I want to kind of, wrap it up with we we spoke about a bit what your you know who you're working with what they need to know how they can move but now let's to 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 the corporate leaders that are listening to this and they're like oh i got this nugget and i got this nugget but what do they need to know to help move the needle advance the needle or have a better understanding of those that work with them okay so this is a very interesting question because i spend decidedly and intentionally 99.9% of my time speaking to the leader, meaning yes. uh, the, the woman, the woman of color, the BIPOC person, mm-hmm. or the leader who happens to be white, but happens to be, you know, some other, um, you know, diversity that we don't see. Right. I spend the majority of my time talking like Nike to the athlete. <laughs> I exist for the athlete. And every once in a while, somebody says, but what do you have to say to the organizations? What do you have to say to those leading in corporate America who can make some kind of a change? Right. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to this. You have to deconstruct this 
diversity, equity, and inclusion, whatever you call it, IDEA, you know, uh, everybody calls it different Just things. All the letters, right. <laughs> all the letters. You have to de deconstruct it mm -hmm. because it, it really is built by a power system that still centers white maleness. And it's a very, very difficult statement to make because the question becomes, well, then what do we do? We're not tearing down buildings. We're not tearing down structures. We're not tearing down organizations. And that answer has to be, what are you doing to put a plug in the middle of that pipeline that's spewing women and women of color? And by the way, other people who are other too. Yes. As a coach, we raise compelling questions and it can't just be about the numbers. Oh, yes. You know, we sent X amount of black people through a leadership program. No. And we gave diversity training to X amount of people in the organization. No. We have to deconstruct it. We have to use different language. Mm -hmm. Talk a lot about language. This right. is my calm side of me coming out here. <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's important the way we're even messaging it because we can undo it. I'll give you a great example. Mm -hmm. The folks who aren't wild about diversity, equity, inclusion. Do they even like those terms? No. Do they even know what they mean? Realistically. They, they, they probably do. They, so they probably I, 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 I'm going to honestly say to you, they don't, because that's the side that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And when I ask them what it means, what their perception of what it is to what it is, is very different. And that in lies a big. Yeah, you're right. Their perception <laughs> is very different. That's for right. sure. But I also want to because we're talking about corporate America. Mm -hmm. These are folks that have kind of turned a blind eye to it. And if there are terms that come at them that they've heard, they'll either weaponize them or they reject them altogether. So I am proposing that we use language that is a little bit more relatable if we're ever going to get through. I'm not catering to fragility. I'm catering to the idea that as humans, I believe there are certain concepts Mm -hmm. and certain values we can all agree on. I, and they're I, really I warm and fuzzy words that corporate just isn't used to. Right. One and of that's why I do a lot of my work around culture yes. through the diversity, equity, and inclusion lens. Yes. Let's speak Absolutely. about culture. What yes. is this company culture that you that you all speak of so much? Right. Is it what even you broadly, even broadly in my work before I left AT&T, we were doing a lot of work around culture in order to shift the paradigm when it yes. came to how we marketed um, to this new mass market that was here. Right. Um, right. We said multicultural is the new mass market. This is what's got a lot of people. Um, they got their underwear in a wad right now. Right. <laughs> becoming the majority. Right. But what we found was there were, um, at least six areas that everybody agreed on mm -hmm. when it came to this is just marketing. OK, yeah, right. so sports, that's one thing where everybody meets up mm -hmm. and it, not anybody's going to argue about whether or not football is a, a viable sport unless you're from, you know, Europe where football is. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> We're talking about America right now. Right. Um, uh, music is one of those mm -hmm. things that breaks through. And then you'll start to see where certain cultures lead out right. in that mix. 
So, um, and I say cultures, I'm talking about races. Nielsen came out with stats in 2017 that said black culture drives pop culture. And Spotify comes out with with data about the most streamed music and the most agreed upon music Mm -hmm. across cultures, hip hop and R&B. That is a fact. (laughs) You want to get a party jumping, you're going to play hip hop and R&B. You're going to see white, red, yellow, Mm -hmm. black, everybody having a party. Right. That's just a macro look at how culture as an overlay can bring people together. But when you start to think about human to human, people all understand what it means to be disrespected. Right. Why can't we talk about the feelings that people have and the rejections that people have Mm -hmm. based on terms that everyone can relate to? Because ultimately, we've got to look at empathy. And you can't walk in someone else's shoes if you don't understand or you you don't want to understand. But there's some big words out there like respect and love. Mm -hmm. I'm talking big, warm, fuzzy words that we all gather around as values. And I always like to break those down. Like when Mm -hmm. I go into a company and we're speaking about respect, I want to know what that means to different people. Yes. Because I want us to build our language. You speak about language. I always say, let's build a company language so yes. that when we use the word respect, we all have the same understanding what exactly means in this process. So because here's a, the other thing about it is we who are all for diversity, equity, inclusion, cheerleaders and all that, we tend to be very academic and it's from our perspective, nothing wrong with it, right? So we come at with terms like psychological safety. And we come with terms of these big, you know, multi-hyphenate, multi-syllable words. Nope. People on the other side, their eyes cross. Like, here they come again. And we'll look, and that's why when I wrote my book, I was like, this is not from that point of view. I'm going to give it to you straight. And I'm going to give it to you with other people, your employees that may not actually work for you, but employees, people that are actually working today will yes. share what's really happening. And this is going to be 101 conversation because you don't need to hear that because it's not connecting with you when you go back to having empathy, which everyone doesn't have, or yes. understanding. I want you to understand. I'm not trying to change anything. That's not my job. Right. But I would like for you to be able to see and shift something in your process of the way that you move next to someone that doesn't look like you, sound like you, and walk like you. Yes. So deconstruct redefine the language. And then also I want to say D other D E and I, because so often in your companies, that's the ghetto. You may not ever say it, Mm -hmm. but that's the part of the business that, you know, it's not core to our business. It's not the main profit center. It's a feel good kind of thing. There is a dead end there when it comes to careers. There's no career pathway there. And those people over there are working with very little budget, to try and undo a system that y'all aren't really concerned about undoing. Right. So it's it's those people over there. It's that diversity work. It's it's othered. We need to right. de-other it. And the way we de-other it is to decentralize it. Well, it's part Take of your it. foundation. It's not an add-on. Yeah, it's it not an add-on. add-on. It should be infused throughout the organization with accountability measures all throughout. And guess what? The expertise in this area needs to be elevated in each of the business units. 
So it's not just the chief diversity officer. It's fine to have one. But if that chief diversity officer doesn't have a chief operating officer who is an expert in diversity, equity and inclusion, not much is going to get done. If there's a chief marketing officer over there who doesn't have a clue about it, but is over there saying, you know, diversity is that little group over there's responsibility. How is it ever going to remedy what's wrong in ailing these companies. So whenever I turn my head for that 0.1% of the time to speak to (laughs) diversity (laughs) leaders or leaders who are in charge of um, the companies, that's usually what I say. I give them those four or five Ds. So Michelle, because we could be here all night because we both always have a lot to say. We're both passionate about this. You know, it really does come down to if you are someone looking to build your career, ask yourself the why, you know, ask yourself, what is it that you want, where you want to go, where you see yourself. And like, I, I, I love what you said, where do you see your family? What yeah. is it that you're looking to build? And if you are a company, you have to not add women on, women of color on. You must build and shift a system that is not built for anyone that mostly is male and white centered, but you must understand that somewhere in that middle that you are bleeding through your band-aid. Yes. That just having a DEI committee does not work. That just having, oh, thanks for coming, you know, we're celebrate this culture thing is not working. That you must take the band-aid off and actually operate. And get to the bone of what surgery hurts. There's no anesthesia for this kind of surgery. Absolutely. And it's okay to hurt knowing that you're it doesn't last and that you're going to move past it and forward. Yes. So I I always, you know, again, we could be here forever, but I would like for you to share where people can find you, uh, what's your social media, books, uh, you know, that coming out or what you have. Right. So very easy. Elmichellesmith.com. You'll find everything. There's information about my coaching um, and my 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 um, coaching practice. It's NSC coaching. Um, you'll find more about other activities. You know, I'm a I'm a professional speaker, so I'm speaking mostly at Fortune 500s, Fortune 100s, um, conferences, um, you know, meetings. Uh, I really like to speak to ERGs. They're they're a great opportunity to really connect and build community. But I'm also an author, as you mentioned, um, and I can add award winning and best selling to that title. Yes. Um, the one book that seems to just not quit is the little engine that could. It's no thanks. Seven ways to say I'll just include myself. There are two editions, and the second edition, which is called No Thanks: Seven Ways to, uh, to Say I'll Just Include Myself, the remix, was awarded the Outstanding Book of the Year in 2021 from the National Association of Black Journalists, which is huge for me because I mean those are Pulitzer Prize winning people that that yeah. book was up against. And then also um, there is a companion journal that goes with that book and it's called Slay Every Day, 52 Weeks to Rockstar Leadership. And it's a journal that will take you through an entire year and help you on your way as a woman or woman of color trying for extraordinary leadership. My, My daughter actually was inspired when I was writing No Thanks and she has a children's book called No Thanks Girl. Um, I have it. I can't really reach it right now, but that's okay. The next generation is, is right there ready to go. Yes. So (laughs) 
centered also on applied positive psychology. Those seven ways to say in all of the books is about affirmations, positive affirmations, because we are centered in negativity. Sometimes we go into rooms and mm -hmm. nothing's even said and our pores just seep in the negativity. And we end up talking to ourselves poorly, claiming imposter syndrome when it was really a microaggression, you know? <laughs> Right. And we have to double down on the positive self-talk. And thanks to the neuro neuroscience that I'm learning and mm -hmm. implementing, showing people who have a negative point of view how to make those things more potent is very important. So Joni's book actually um, centers seven ways. There are seven affirmations for little okay. kids in there and some coaching questions in there as well. We don't call them coaching questions, but she asks discussion questions that parents and kids can discuss. So coming up next, okay. yes, please. Seven ways to say, I'm entitled to the C-suite. Secrets women of color need to know now to find they're happy and thrive in an exclusive corporate culture. It's coming towards the end of the year. It may be the beginning of the year. I haven't <laughs> the date yet, but it's coming very soon. And this one is interesting because there are certain things that go unspoken mm -hmm. that we don't ever hear in that second tier layer that's not oh, quite know it's there. officer status. Yes. And one of those things, of course, the most obvious is having a credential executive coach. Most of us don't even know they exist. Right. We've or to ask her. Them. Right. We've heard more about them since George Floyd died, because mm -hmm. most of these companies have put in some kind of program where people who are a little bit more junior can have access to a coach. Right. But when you realize that even black coaches, coaches that look like mm -hmm. you are unicorns. And I don't say that lightly. Right. You look at the stats. 8% of black of, of executive coaches in the United States are black. That doesn't even mean they're credentialed. No. If you boil down to credentialed and you boil down to gender and say women, it's a sliver of a percentage. That's a whole nother topic of conversation, Michelle. You have to, have, we're going to do part two on that. Because yeah. that <laughs> we're going to do part two. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is all. But it is true. But I do want to wrap up for our, for our listeners and, and those that are watching to say, find your happy. Yes. Please everyone go out and um, check Michelle's website and her books and everything that she has going on and her speaking engagements. I always do. I say, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Um, we have to do part two, part three, because there's yes. so much, there's just so much to discuss. And for everyone that is listening or watching, I just say, thank you as always for joining. You know, you can always find me at the Cavo Group whether it's the website, you know, the book is Expand Beyond Your Current Culture. Um, and I always look forward and say thank you for joining. So take care, everyone. Live your happy. I love that. Thanks, Bye. Leslie. Bye. Bye.